Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Hebrews chapter 2. If you remember from last week, we talked about the nature of this book. Hebrews is unique. We don't know who the author is. This is not an epistle. It doesn't follow the format of a Greco-Roman epistle. It's an exhortation or a sermon. It follows the pattern of what would be preached in a Hellenistic synagogue. Think of a Jewish synagogue somewhere in the Roman Empire. Sermons or homilies that were preached on Saturdays would follow this format. Now, we're going to get wonderful content here from the Hebrew writer. Uh, Last week, we saw that this final revelation, the final word, comes through Jesus God in the past communicated in snippets and parts, but now finally he has spoken through his son, the exalted son, who through by his very word holds the universe together. So the the main point of the last chapter was God spoke conclusively through his son. His son has spoken to us, And his word is so powerful that it holds all things together. That's the word that's been delivered to us. It's that powerful. It's that efficacious. Now in chapter 2, we're going to learn some really awesome things about Christ. Some things that maybe we have not contemplated or thought through, but we should. So let's read through this together, chapter 2. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have learned, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. For it was not to the angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower while a little you made for him a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, But he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. 
For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. So much here in this chapter. Uh, it is packed full of good stuff. So we begin with this warning where the writer of Hebrews says, look, the Old Testament was reliable. It was delivered by angels. And if it was rejected, there was some type of just retribution. How much more so would the revelation of Jesus Christ carry greater weight? In other words, don't drift away from the message of Christ. Why would you do that? That's a question he's asking. Why in the world would you think about drifting from the Lord? Obviously, these people were, were drifting. They were losing their fervor for Christ. Some were probably contemplating going back to Judaism. And the writer's like, why would you do that? That makes no sense whatsoever. Then he gets into Jesus being the founder, uh, the originator of our, the author of our salvation. And we get this majestic view of him. Now, I want you to think about what he's saying. He's actually quoting Psalm chapter 8 and applying that to Jesus. Psalm 8 is a creation psalm about mankind, that we are to be exalted, that we were created a little lower than the angels, but we are to have dominion. And there's this glorification of mankind to come. And he looks at that through the lens of Jesus Christ. This idea of Jesus being made for a little while, for a short period of time, it's temporal there, a little while lower than the angels. Now I want you to think about that because he says this creation was made through Jesus. He says that later in the chapter. So creation itself was made through Christ. Christ even had some hand in creating the angels. We see that in the beginning of Genesis. When God created the heavens and the earth, when everything was created, the angels would have been created there early in the creation account. So the very beings that he created, he humbled himself below by becoming a human being. So when Christ took on flesh, when God became man, he humbled himself for a short period of time. How would he be exalted? He'd be exalted through suffering. He would suffer, and because of that suffering, he would be exalted with a crown. He would have glory. He would ascend back to the right hand of the Father. And then we're told, as we suffer, we have one who suffers alongside us because he has partaken of flesh and blood. So he is this great king who comes down to this earth, humbles himself, not some aloof king that doesn't care, but comes into the human situation. He's also this kind of champion that goes into death for us. I always think of King David going to fight Goliath into the, the Valley of Elah. You know, I think the 23rd Psalm may allude to that. The Valley of the Shadow of Death. David walks into it as a champion for the Lord and wins a victory for his people. Sometimes we read the story of David wrong. We, we read it from the perspective of, oh, I need to be brave like David and fight Goliath. Really, that story is about David as the representative champion of the people. And that's what Jesus is for us. He is our champion that goes into death. Think of it this way. When people have like a bad diagnosis like cancer or something horrible has happened to them, like they've lost a loved one, they find other people that have gone through that same thing to give them strength. People that have gone through that type of suffering and pain but have come out victoriously. And they want to know, okay, what's the secret? How do you do this? No one has ever gone through death, never to die again. No one has ever conquered death but Jesus Christ. And so he is our champion in that respect. So we look to him and go, okay, Jesus went through death and conquered it. We can too. 
So I'm going to attach myself to Jesus. But he also calls us brothers. And that, that blows my mind. That Jesus is willing to call us brothers and, and to proclaim that before the Father. So think of Jesus as this king that came to us to pull us out of the muck and the mire. Not some aloof king, but a king that loves his people. And then he was this champion that went in and defeated death. So we no longer have to fear death. We no longer have to be in the bondage of the evil one. Our king has defeated Satan. And now, because of all that, he's at the right hand of the Father proclaiming, these are my brothers and sisters. They are mine. He is perpetually taking us before the face of the Father saying, this, this, this one, they are mine. I, I proclaim them as my own family. I shared in flesh and blood with them. I know what it's like to suffer. I redeemed them. They are my children. And that is the picture Hebrews 2 is painting for you today. So think of it this way. A king that gets involved, that comes into this world and humbles himself, and by suffering is exalted. Now there's a deep thing going on here that the Hebrew writer is wanting you to see, that we also are perfected through suffering. Something about suffering perfects us. God takes our suffering and redeems it. I mean, that's the way Christ was exalted, was through suffering. We go through the same thing. We suffer, and then one day we will be exalted too, just as he was exalted. And we have this champion that's defeated death. I don't have to fear death anymore because I know someone is waiting on the other side for me, Jesus Christ, who destroyed death, that, that drove a, a cleft into the rock, drilled a hole through the rock of death, and he could pull me through, and I can be victorious. And I also have a brother who advocates for me at the right hand of the Father. I am part of his family. Now, I hope this encourages you today. Hebrews 2 is just wonderful. So I hope this passage gives you more hope, builds your faith, and I hope you join us back again tomorrow uh, with Devin in tomorrow's podcast. God bless.